Man, welcome back to the Awake Podcast, an ongoing conversation about how we can be awake, aware, and available to all that God wants to do in and through our lives. I'm your host, Liam Weingartner, joined as always by Joe Hishma. Joe, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. Good to be with you again, Liam, and everyone else. Well, guys, today we're going to be continuing a conversation that we began during the Awake study on identity. And this is a topic that has had so many voices trying to speak into this conversation. So, Joe, where are we going to be going today? Where do we begin on this topic? Okay, we're going to do a refresher on where our culture has looked to find identity over the past 200 years. Let's just go with that. Actually, it goes down into even the ancient world. But there's three dominant perspectives on identity, and the first one is traditional, and that is your identity is fixed, and it's founded by uh, the external community of family and neighbors around you, and they give you an identity. And again, if you look at most of our last namings, uh, we have the Bakers, and we have the Smiths, and we have the Millers, and we have a lot of that in which your destiny was determined by what your father did, and your worth and value and identity was all expressed in what you did and uh, the family that you came from and the neighborhood that you came from. And it was the uh, norms and the values and the perspectives of that community that really forged in you uh, an identity. Yeah, and, and if we're going off of that, I should really be a gardener of wine because that's what my gardener. name right. literally means, so I'm in the wrong business. <laughs> you are right. Okay, so you have that traditional one. That has really been the dominant force of identity up until uh, the 1950s, where a more modern approach came in, where uh, mobility happened, where technology changed, where transportation was radically expedited. No longer are we held to the um, pace of a horse or footsteps or even, you know, trains. We now have jets and we can fly all around the world and we can make our own lives. And the modern perspective is that your identity is still fixed, but it's discovered. It's unique to you. And once it's discovered, then it needs to be expressed and accepted within a culture. Mm -hmm. And so due to the sexual revolution, you had um, more who, again, uh, from the uh, sexual identity perspective, you had someone who discovered, wait a minute, I have same-sex attraction, and therefore that's who I am. I was born that way, and it's fixed, and I fought these many years to, to have the rights of people to proclaim uh, the attraction that they have towards the same sex or other sex that that they want to, you know, express and be accepted and to be live as a normal person within a culture or society. And that's really what we saw leading up into and through the, you know, the turn of the century into mm-hmm. the 2000. But now more recently is a postmodern perspective. And that really could just kind of goes off the rails of both the traditional and the modern of the fixed perspective. And this basically says you can be whoever you want to be. So it's not fixed. It's very fluid. And the perception of yourself leads the way. And so we need to be, again, as a culture now is being confronted with this, the culture needs to be open and aware and sensitive to anyone expressing themselves how they want to express themselves without a connection 
to the past, present, or even future. It's just mm-hmm. my perception. And that's why it's just so disturbing to many of us who've had either the traditional or the modern perspective of it, is that people can switch. They can change. and Day-to-day. They, they, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Day-to-day. Even identity yeah. changes on that. And what we're going to look at today is we're going to look at that, that the biblical picture of how identity is given is it's a gift. It's a gift from God. It's fixed. It's not negotiable. It's fixed. And it's to be then received by me and affirmed by a, a community that sees it as that. And so, hence, you have the Christian family. Hence, you have the Christian church mm-hmm. that is all about recognizing that identity is not something you make for yourself. It's not even something a community tells you you are. It's primarily who God says that you are, and you receive that identity from him. And a lot of my learning over the last couple of months, I've just been kind of tracing the roots through some of my classes of where truth is derived from, where authority is derived from. And this all the, everything that you're saying just matches up perfectly with all of the things that I've been learning about how kind of in that enlightenment time period, the source of authority that was once external from us yes. was kind of bound to the autonomous human. And right. now we are the source of our truth. And Yeah, and, we're not just the source, but we're the curators yeah, of our identity. Exactly. It's crushing. It's crushing our mm-hmm. kids. It's crushing our adults. It's a crushing different sectors of our society that are, are longing to at least have uh, an, an affirmation acceptance for uh, someone that they truly are. Mm. And um, again, our culture is moved down the route of who you can be, whoever you want to be, whenever you want to be it. And people just got to flex with that. So how do we as believers, as men seeking to live faithfully in this world, like how do we... what? What can we speak to that? Okay, so uh, the the answer is not in the direction of just going back to being a traditionalist, where okay. we go back. I want it to be the family, and I want it to be the community. That's where we need to go back to, because even that was limiting from the gift that God has given each of us, hmm. that each of us is priceless. We're created in the image of God, as Genesis 127 says. Even, even the, the picture that Ephesians chapter 2 says, that God being rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, he made us to live together with Christ. By grace, you've been saved. It says that you've been raised up and seated with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages, he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace, you've been saved through faith. This is not your own doing. It's the gift of God. It's not a result of works so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in him, in them. Amen. And, and so what you get from that passage is just a, a confrontation of the traditional, the modern, and the postmodern mm-hmm. perspectives of identity. That when we have it from God, we have a, he's the creator. He's the uh, artist who makes the masterpiece. And we happen to be that masterpiece. And by that, that is then by looking at the masterpiece and valuing the masterpiece, we don't value the paint. Mm-hmm. We value the master, right? And uh, you can be a fake, you can have a fake masterpiece, and it looks like that, but it's not truly the hand of it. 
And and what where value comes from is who God has created us to be. Yeah. And we find our value in a relationship with God. And you know, as we have talked about being um, awake to who God is and who I am, and aware of who I am in mm. this world and the opportunities God has placed in front of me, I think that's where we as men have an opportunity to remind us whose we are first. We're God's, right? Mm-hmm. And then who we are, we're created in His image. We're a masterpiece. We have value. And and no matter how whether or not I believe in Christ or even how I view myself, Christians then need to restore that God-given dignity and identity that's found in a relationship with Christ. Absolutely. And I think, you know, just to, to make a, a small caveat, a biblical community can be an incredible blessing in affirming the yes. identity, but it's not the source for that's sure. True. Exactly what you were saying. It's, yeah, it can't be the starting the approval point. Of others, and mm-hmm. you live for the approval of others and find your identity in being accepted and you come into the church, you're, that's going to still drive you of, do these guys accept me? Do they like me? Am I good enough? Am I, you know, that's why we, in our community, we have to have a humble community that's a, that's a Christ-centered community, so mm-hmm. we draw our worth and, and value and identity in Christ. Because like you said, it's binding. That's you know, right. whatever we derive our sense of identity from, in a sense, binds us to that thing. That's right. And as great as, as community can be, it can also be a dangerous thing because then we're no longer free That's to right. serve that community because we're bound to their perception of us. That's right. Yeah. Yep. So you talk a little bit about um, the focus and what we should be focused on. Yeah. And can you talk a little bit more about that? Yeah. If you remember in our original teaching on Tuesday mornings, you probably don't because even I have to be reminded of it. (laughs) But um, we talked about how you're more than something. Mm -hmm. And we looked at more than a consumer or you're more than even um, your job that you have. Mm -hmm. The one I want to focus on now is you're more than a number because I I see an obsession with numbers in our culture and with men in general as I talk with them and live as one. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's this, there's this obsession with being number one, so much so that it's probably more crushing to finish in second than it is, you know, second to last or something like <laughs> right. that. Um, you feel worthless. It's crushing that you didn't, especially if you're competitive, all the stakes in it. And to be honest with you, as a fan, we tend, and my Packers could go to the Super Bowl, but, but if they lose, it's a losing year, mm-hmm. right? And, and they didn't make it that far. Right. And I mean, some of us can't even remember that the Rams won the Super Bowl this year because our Chiefs were knocked out in that yep. you know perilous game that, that was fought there with with who is that again i don't really even want to talk about there we go that we don't know open wound (laughs) um but we can chase uh the number that you're at in your org on the org chart you can chase if it's not if life is not going well for you and you're not where you want to be you can chase after your kids performance whether or not they're little league baseball team Mm -hmm. or foot or um a uh, soccer team or softball team or track performance, you can live your life through their place on that team. Mm-hmm. And you can look for and have this dream of a scholarship and have the way and the route to get that scholarship. And you can start planning that when they're 10. I mean, I've talked to parents who've decided what their kids are going to do before yeah. their kids even wow. can walk. And so you, th- there's that. And I'm not saying that, that it's anyone listening to this, because everyone listening to this are mature believers. And are, <laughs> you know, None of us make mistakes, None of right? us make yeah, mistakes, right. yeah. But even if it's an income level, 
even today, used to be that if a guy was thinking about his income and he would just say, I just need $10,000 more and my life would be so much better. Mm -hmm. Now that figure through all the research is double their income. Hmm. And so we're living at a level that, that needs that number. And then when you think about retirement, you know, I'm 57 years old. What number do I need to have to retire on so that, um, number one, I can continue to give the way I'm giving now. I can continue to live the way I'm living now. We want everything. Mm -hmm. And that number, if we miss that number, we feel worthless or we feel like we're less. And we are far more than a number. I got to remind myself. I need men in my life to remind me that I'm more than a number. Yeah. Whatever number I'm chasing at the time. Yeah. And and this can even kind of veil itself in, you know, kind of dangerous ways too. Even in Christian circles and in ministry, we can still be so desirous of metrics and numbers that we blind we can be blind to the incredible works of God in small ways that even if we never have the largest platform as a as a Christian leader than anybody else in the nation or the world yeah. that doesn't change the fact that you know God has called us to faithfulness right where we're at so we're That's right. we're even even in ministry it can be a very very dangerous yeah, I mean, we're, for us. we're addicted uh, of, of uh, upward and yep. to the right. Mm -hmm. We absolutely love upward and to the right. And so when we have a year in the past two years where some of us experience downward <laughs> and to the right as time has gone on, we, we get frustrated and we feel like we aren't being successful or we're not being effective. And if you look at just the revelation of human history through the biblical account and the narratives there, you're going to find that God's growth, growing in God and growing in a relationship with Him and God's work sometimes happens in the most perilous and what we would view and count as ineffective times, mm -hmm. that God was very much active and very powerful and the gospel was advancing through those times. Yeah. And so the only way I'm going to do that is if I see that I'm, I'm in God's eyes, I'm worth more than what I have or what I make or what I've accomplished, and I'm, I'm, I'm worth most when I'm uh, living as a masterpiece of God where he's being reflected through me. That's the true life. That's the true thing that our identity is created for, is to receive us who receive our role for who we are. We're children of God. Mm. And then to reflect that role in this world that's very confused on this topic right now. And one of the things that I've heard you talk about a lot through various like leadership development talks is the idea that who we are is more important than what we do. That's right. Like that that's something that has really stuck with me over the last few years of being a part of this church is that I've been so grateful for the emphasis and push towards identity and being rooted and grounded in who I am in Christ mm -hmm. before it's about what can I accomplish? What do, what do I contribute? What do I bring to the table? What am I, you know, yes. finding success in? It's about, right. Liam, who are you in Christ? And how are yeah. you growing in Christ-likeness, first and foremost? That's right. That's right. So out of that, out of that value of who we are in Christ, we, we look at um, how, how does God see us? And he sees us as his children, right? He sees us that we're, he, we're enough because of what he's done. 
We're secure in the completed work of Christ. To be in Christ, that's your whole identity that Paul talks about in the New Testament. And you might want to, as you read anything written by Paul, look for that phrase, in Christ, because it reminds us, he reminds us over and over that through your faith in Christ, you're now in the family of God. And you have Christ representing you. You take on, he identified with you in your sin and in your flesh, so that we now, through his death and resurrection, we can identify with his life and his power and who he is. And so everything that he is, he shared that with us to Mm -hmm. be in his family, and because of that, we're sons of God. And Colossians 3 talks about that specifically in some of the early verses that, you know, we have died, Yes. And our life is hidden with Christ That's in right. God. That, mm-hmm. that our entire life now is in Christ. That's right. That's right. So I look at those three values of I'm loved, I'm secure, and I'm liberated, right? I'm set free to love as we've been loved by Christ. Those three values are going to be the battleground for Satan. And they're going to be the area of testing in our culture. And every culture is going to give a definition of how is someone loved here, okay? Secondly, um, how are you in or you're out on, on that basis, on that measure of being a successful, effective, important person in this culture? And then uh, every society is going to either bind you or liberate you, and then they're going to have a plan and path for you to be liberated. Mm-hmm. So if if we buy the lie of our culture, we will be led far from God on this one. And that's why the church is called to gather together and to remind each other of who we are in Christ and to keep affirming that identity in Christ. And when we don't live like that, we can go, you know, when someone goes, hey, I... I didn't get the job that I wanted, or I I didn't get the raise that I wanted, or I I didn't get the position, and I was passed over for a position. It's so good for the body of Christ to gather around a person like that and go, you're far more than what you make. You're far more than the position that you hold. You have a position in the family of God, Mm -hmm. and we have to then re-speak and retell what's most valuable to each other. Uh, That's why worship is so important for the body of believers. That's why gathering in these groups that continued after Awake are so Mm -hmm. important for us to continue to put what's important right there in the center of the table and to to order our lives around it. So of these three, the reminders of of being the beloved of God, secure in the work of Christ, and set free to love, do you have a sense of maybe which one of these might be the easiest for us as men to forget or need more regular reminders of? I have a thought myself, but I'm curious what you... Yeah, I think the last one is really, once you know you're loved and you're secure, Mm -hmm. you can bring that liberation. That's liberating Mm -hmm. to be around a person who knows they're loved by God. They don't compare. They they aren't the me monster who says where they are in the realm of everybody else. But I would say the big one is security for men. That's I agree. Area that we are all. Do I have enough? Mm-hmm. Am I enough? And we have to always come back to in Christ. I'm enough. Yeah. I, it, it's not that that anything I've ever done, or I'm this incredibly great person. It's just, I'm in the family of God. I have enough now. I have uh, I have the righteousness of Christ. I don't need to prove to God or to others that yeah. I'm worthy to be loved. 
And once I receive that love and I live in that love, then I'm sourced by that love and I can easily, hopefully, love other right. people through that as I'm receiving it. Yeah, I completely agree. I think as I hear you talk about each one of these three, the, the one that most often comes up in my head is that question of security. And yeah. I'm so tempted to trust in my own wisdom, trust in my own strength, what I'm able to accomplish with the resources that I have to try and drum up security for myself and what I can do rather than resting in the security of Christ's completed work, exactly like you were talking about. Yeah. And funny thing you say that, you just uh, triggered my mind to think about, you remember when David fell and Mm -hmm. slept with Bathsheba, kills Uriah, one of his fighting men, Mm -hmm. okay? And then Nathan confronts him. We're going to be talking about this in... Uh, in our services in the upcoming weeks. But um, one of the things that Nathan said, speaking of from the word of the Lord to David, he said, I gave you all these things. And he talked about all of his wealth and all of his power. And he said, I would have given you more, okay? Hmm. Because David thought it wasn't enough. You can have everything in this world and still not think it's enough. That's the crushing blow of materialism, yep. right? And so, um, and, and power, yeah. even. You can have so much power, but feel so weak and, and want more. And, and when one person rejects you, you're, you're crushed. Mm-hmm. So we have an opportunity to at least look to the eyes of the Lord and see that smile that he gives us in Christ and receive that and live in that identity. And what's so interesting about each one of these three things is that they're so intrinsic to our pursuit as just people in general, as humanity in general, we're all seeking love. We're all seeking security and liberation. And, and, you know, in the gospel, in Christ, we have love, security, and freedom that lasts forever. That's, it's not bound to, you know, the whims of our community or even the whims of my own feelings and emotions. It is steadfast and constant and, and that is that is hope. That is yeah. If a joy. first century bond servant or slave could live as a liberated follower of Jesus, where they're still under their master, earthly master, but they're set free by their heavenly master, mm-hmm. that to me is just it can offer it to anyone, right? And uh, I mean, I I totally. Uh, you could see the worst in our society and, ha- and the weakest in our society. And now in our world today, there's still some indentured slaves in this world that are c- held by the debt that they owe to others. Right. And if the gospel can enter into their lives in the worst area and show them a perspective of their worth and they can live as a son, they're no longer slaves, that's, that's liberating. Yeah, that's a beautiful picture. Well, Joe, do you have any final comments or thoughts before we wrap things up for the day? So um, all I would say is take a look at the questions, <laughs> excuse me, that you have going into your time together. And I'm going to ask you to talk about, you know, when I talked about more than a number, you're more than a number. I want you to think about what number do you look at your life and compare yourself with others with? What's that temptation to view yourself? I think if we can just call it and and then there might be another guy in the the, the table who wouldn't have said it if you wouldn't have. Mm-hmm. And once you confess to each other, there's a little bit of a break of that power of numbers on you. So it's good to confess to each other. And then secondly, um, just to, to highlight what value of those three, the love, security, or liberation, or being set free, which one of those do you need more development in? 
And uh, how are you growing in those values? What do you do to grow in those values of seeing that? It's, it's important to share. Awesome. Well, Joe, thank you so much for just your work on all of this. And guys, this is going to do it for this episode of the Awake Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. We look forward to you guys being able to get together over the course of this next month, and we will see you next time.